Hi there, this is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau, and you're listening to Out Bureau Voices. We have another very interesting conversation today, and in all of our conversations, we speak with LGBTQ professionals, entrepreneurs, and community leaders from around the world. Today, we have a very interesting show for you. We're going to be talking with Ella Slade. They are one of the lead LGBTQ inclusivity persons, directors, etc. We're going to let uh, them talk all about uh, the actual role because I probably just flubbed that up. But uh, they are one of the big wigs at IBM, which IBM, as you have heard in several of our episodes, has always been a very forward-thinking leader in the full spectrum of diversity inclusion. So Ella, we're so pleased to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Dennis. It's amazing to be here. I'm really, really excited for our, for our conversation, for sure. Well, since I probably did just get your title completely wrong, because <laughs> I'm not yet... I've not yet finished my first cup of coffee, so my brain's not completely firing here. So if you could just tell us just a brief, you know, what your role is uh, currently at IBM, uh, uh, just for clarity. And then let's kind of jump back and uh, talk about your professional journey and maybe even some of your personal life journey on, you know, kind of exploring and realizing, you know, who you are. Okay? Yeah. Definitely. That sounds fantastic. So, um, so yes, yeah, so, um, I am IBM's global LGBT plus leader. So I work within the diversity inclusion organization within the HR sphere at IBM. Um, I've done my role now for two years. Um, just passed my kind of two year anniversary in the role in June. Um, it's a fantastic role. I absolutely love it. Um, I remember a few years ago, so just kind of going back on my career journey a bit. So I joined IBM as an intern back in 2014. Um, and in the UK, you do like your internship as part of your degree. So you take like a year out to do a year's internship, go back to university for a year, and then hopefully find a grad graduate job um and i did a year-long internship at ibm in our recruitment marketing team um i absolutely fell in love like i fell in love with the world of work um for starters with um what i was doing so i was really focused on a lot of kind of branding stuff how we position ibm as an employer of choice through our social media our branding our imagery our campaigns all that kind of great stuff um, and then also i fell in love with ibm i was like this is great i'm really really enjoying this i really like this culture how just together and supportive everyone is um and everyone's always i found i found a lot of ibm as a yes people you know they're like yes i'll be able to help you or yes i'll be able to find someone that can help you even if i personally can't so um from there, I um, was able to come back as a graduate after finishing my degree um, and came back into the global talent marketing team. So kind of similar area within recruitment still, um, but this time I was on the global team rather than the European team. And over the next few years, I really focused on a few different areas from our IBM careers blog, our IBM careers social media accounts, um, looking um, at setting up a, a brand ambassador program, which was amazing. Um, there's been lots and 
sorts of things I've gotten involved in. It's been a, it was a really kind of varied role and varied kind of time of my career. Um, but throughout that whole time, I've always been really interested in diversity and inclusion and specifically around LGBT plus inclusion. So um, I'm part of our, um, or I have always been part of our, um, our employee resource group or our network group in the UK for the LGBT plus community. And um, over time, I got more and more involved in that and ended up being on their steering committee. And then as part of my day job, obviously, we're looking at attracting top talent to IBM. Um, so as my day job, I started to get more and more interested in, in um, attracting top diverse talent and seeing what we can do um, to specifically uh, target certain constituencies. So one of the things that um, I started to get really interested in was Pride Month. And can we do something in Pride Month from an IBM uh, careers perspective to try and attract more LGBT plus talent. And that led me to a conversation with my now manager, but my manager, Joy, did my role before me. Um, and when she was in my role, um, I had a conversation with her on the phone and she told me a little bit about what she does and some of the projects she was working on. And I just remember getting off the call and turning to my friend and just being like, that is my dream job. I want to be IBM's global LGBT plus leader. Like that's the absolute dream. Um, however, I meant in like 10 years time, I did not think that, you know, a couple of years down the road and this would be me. Um, I really didn't think so at all. So I definitely thought that was kind of a more longer term dream, but you know what? It's been amazing. And I'm so glad that I've been able to, you know, get to it much sooner because it has been a fantastic journey. So in terms of where I'm at now, um, so as I mentioned, I've been in my role two years. Um, my role is very varied. So I work, um, like I mentioned, at a global scale. So basically anything to do with LGBT plus inclusion around the world at IBM, kind of falls on my plate. So I get involved in things such as overseeing and supporting all of our LGBT plus network groups around the world and helping them with whatever struggles they have, whatever challenges they have, um, advising them, supporting them, seeing what's happening and what issues are important to them locally um, around the world and seeing how we can help as IBM as a, as a global company. Um, we also have um, uh, an LGBT plus council. So the council basically meets on a quarterly basis um, to check the progress of our four strategic priorities. So once a year, we all come together as the entire LGBT plus community uh, virtually to come up with what do we want to focus on for this next year and it was this this year was the first time we did it virtually and we ran the kind of a week-long series of sessions back in January to really just look at what do we want to do what's the feedback what's the experience like for you all as LGBT plus people um, in the world of work at IBM and what can we do to make that better and that kind of led us to kind of four strategic areas that we work towards, we focus on, we have kind of squads of IBM volunteers that work on those initiatives. And I essentially just kind of oversee all that. So whenever an IBM comes out as trans, um, I tend to get more hands-on involved in their transition cases and just supporting them through their transition. So we have a gender transition uh, support framework at IBM that we've had since 2017. Um, it's fantastic. It's basically an online kind of guide and kind of document that um, essentially acts as like a backdrop to support um, both the employee themselves to support and educate the manager and also to educate the team as well. And I take a very kind of hands-on role in terms of that support uh, kind of function uh, during an employee's transition. 
And then finally, and there's lots more things, but I also get often get invited to be part of um, or get involved in somehow um, kind of special projects and various different things that may crop up throughout the year, whether it's Pride Month celebrations, whether it's um, the LGBT plus report um, that we recently published, which was a fantastic piece of work. And I'll definitely talk about it in a bit more detail later on. But um, yeah, there's, there's all something else. Even when I kind of lay out, this is everything in my job, something else will always come up. Um, I think that's one of the things that keeps my role so fresh and exciting is that it does change so often and it really is. Um, yeah. Amazing. So that's a well, bit about my career. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. Um, I think we have a similar personality in that we like things to be constantly adaptable and different things every day. Like I am a yeah. horrible employee. If I have to do the same thing over and over and over again, you know, like in, in that kind of a job set, I'm, I'm horrible because I get bored. I need a challenge. Personally, I need a challenge and something not necessarily completely brand new every day, but to be able to switch between different things and learn something every day. That's one of my personal things is whether I'm learning something about my technology or I'm learning something about whatever it is, I love to write about studies. <laughs> and so learning in that and then regurgitating that in an article or a video for others to kind of, you know, can listen to or quickly read without reading, you know, like a 60 page study document, being able to read like a one pager and get the gist of it. And of course, link out to it. But, uh, but yeah, sounds like you're, you guys are doing some amazing things. And, um, you know, ask and ye shall receive. So it, luckily it didn't have to take 10 years to get there. And uh, obviously you were working within the organization and you know that uh, ability and interest was seen. So, and, and <clears throat> that your now boss got a promotion. <laughs> I know, I, that was <laughs> Once she got promoted, I was like, oh, Joy's role has become available. And originally it was, I think it was put up on the system as being for, for people in the US. And I messaged her and I was like, Joy, I see this isn't says it's in the US. And Joy was like, I would encourage you to apply. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and yeah, thankfully I, I ended up getting the job. And yeah, it's just been a complete whirlwind. It really has. And, and you know, you, you talk about learning. I've learned so much in my role, like so much. And I feel like um, already being a member of the community, being already quite engrossed in the community, obviously stand me in kind of good stead in terms of my kind of knowledge about the community. But I feel like it's really helped me to understand myself a lot more as well. And I know we can kind of touch on a bit more about kind of identity and stuff. But when I first joined the role, so I identify as non-binary and queer and trans. Um, when I first joined the role, I identified as queer, but I identified as a woman or I didn't really know sort of thing. Um, and actually being in my role and being able to connect with so many trans and non-binary people and gender fluid people and gender performing people at IBM from around the world and just meeting with them, having more conversations with them, just getting to know some of their different experiences. And obviously in my role, I support a lot of them when they come out as trans and I run a lot of enablement and education sessions about the trans community. Actually being part of that and being more heavily kind of integrated into that space made me realize, you know what, <laughs> this is my space. This is, these are my people and this is where I belong. And being in my role has, yeah, done wonders and helped me to understand a lot better about who I am as well. So it's definitely been 
a phenomenal role for me, both obviously professionally, but also personally as well. And that's been a really, yeah, just really special, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and what a, what a really neat role to have because, you know, just because, you know, I'm a gay male doesn't mean that I know the experience of a Latino gay male from Brazil, you know, or Mexico or, you know, someone with a gay male Mormon experience, right? I mean, there's so many, we're such intersectionality. I mean, everyone is intersectional, every, everyone, but the gay community is just like three or four more layers, right? And, you know, being open to learn, um, uh, you know, using, you know, being conscious, using proper pronouns, asking and, and, ha- and seeking that out. Um, it's like one of my good friends, uh, since I was 18 years old, she's trans, but we met whenever I was serving in the U.S. military in Germany. Well, and she was American father, German mother. She stayed in Germany and has a German husband and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're on Facebook, but we don't get to have a lot of, you know, one-on-one conversations. And so what's been wonderful for me too, and, you know, and I've met people just, you know, going out, et cetera. But one of the things that I love about doing these uh, conversations that are out Bureau Voices is the um, the ability to connect with uh, another person and hear their story, share their story, and learn from it myself. So even, you know, whatever little bit of things that you do, uh, it's it's whatever you do to get involved in the community where it's going to be a broader community is an opportunity to learn. And that could be done locally. Um, It could be done in your place of work. It could be done at your university. Uh, But I just find that that has been uh, very educational for me and the audience. And so I can completely see how that's been educational for you. And such a, such an interesting, yeah. you know, such an interesting gift as well is that your, your job, your role at your employer also has helped you personally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been, yeah, phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. And I think one of the things that I think has really helped me in my role just in, in general it's just listening, like just listening to the voices. And, you know, you talk about intersectionality and stuff. And, you know, when you put that at a global scale, it's just so huge. And I am fully aware I will never understand everyone else's experiences. And that's why I so rely on listening and listening to others. And um, I mentioned that we recently launched an LGBT plus report. As part of that report, there was a few things that kind of went into it. There was a, a big piece of research and a kind of survey that was done by the IBM um, IBV team, that's Institute for Business Value team. Um, and they do lots of amazing snazzy, snazzy research stuff. Um, so they did this great survey. But then as well as the survey, um, we also conducted a jam. Um, so I'd never been in a jam before. I had no idea what it was. So I'll kind of explain it a little bit to, to well, make it a bit <clears throat> Well, my favorite jam is Blackberry. Literally, I was like, are you talking about raspberry, strawberry? <laughs> yeah, so so, it, so I'm sure you were about to, to explain it. But, you know, 
I, I just wanted to voice what probably <laughs> others were thinking when you started to say that. So, um, so yeah. what is a jam? Because I did see that in the report as I was scanning and I saw jammers and I was like, oh, we're going to have to talk about that. What is that? Yeah. So uh, a jam is basically, you know, when you think about like musicians getting together and having kind of a jamming session and playing different instruments and ending up making some amazing, amazing music. It's basically taking that concept and putting it onto other ideas and other kind of areas. So um, it's for for us, for the way that we did it for the LGBT plus community, we used a um, this jamming platform, can't remember what the platform's called, but a, a, an IBM kind of jamming platform. And as part of that, um, it's kind of a text-based platform. Um, it's basically like, kind of more of like an advanced, very advanced, um, like forum, like Reddit or something like that. Um, where basically you have, um, we had seven different topic areas, um, for the global LGBT plus innovation jam. And those seven different areas within those had loads of conversations happening. So one of the areas, for example, was, uh, trans and non-binary belonging. And within that, um, we would then have VIP guests who would come in and would kind of kick off a topic or throw out a thought or a question or an idea. Um, and it would just spark this wonderful conversation. Um, and then we had like another topic area, which was around, um, you know, uh, your own kind of personal, uh, career development, um, and kind of being your own champion. Um, and, in there, there was again some amazing comments and some amazing discussions happening. So that was it was a 36 hour, maybe 34. I always get them confused. 34 or 36 hour long uh, jamming session that happened all around the world. So it's completely virtual and kept going all the way around the clock. Um, and what happened off the back of that was um, all that content was analysed and a lot of insights were pulled out of that and that fed into um, the LGBT plus report along with the kind of previous survey um so i mean the, the jam itself was a phenomenal experience i like i said i've never been in one and just being in there and it was completely external so there was loads and loads and loads of like non-ibmers in there um and it was just amazing to just meet so many different people and to just share different thoughts and ideas and experiences as well you know some of it was really personal stuff that was being shared and some of it was much more kind of theoretical around um ways of kind of driving change and inclusion um but that all kind of came together. Sorry, yeah. Cool. Well, if I could jump in there, I really love that concept. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they, you know, took that data to, uh, you know, pull out and, and analyze. But, you know, a survey has to be very carefully constructed, uh, very carefully constructed, because one word could totally, that you might think is the right word, could be totally uh uh, understood differently by the readers. And so hey, having a structured uh, survey coupled with this non-structured, you know, dialogue and chat and jam, uh, bridging that data together, I bet that that really gave lots of rich additional insights. So uh, Exactly. It kind of brings it to life because I think when you're just looking at the statistics, I don't know about you, but my brain goes a bit crazy when I see so many numbers. I'm like, 
you know, you go a bit kind of number dead to it. They just all kind of merge into one. But um, but when you're actually looking at also the quotes from jammers and when you're looking at kind of further kind of context and background and just insights that have been kind of pulled out um, and kind of when we're looking at kind of societal kind of impact and lots of kind of other factors that feed into, you know, why the LGBT plus community are behaving or responding in this way um, or saying these things about inclusion, um, it is really interesting. And some of the stuff, I think my, my kind of biggest finding overall from the report, the thing that really stuck out to me, um, which sounds quite simple, is the fact that LGB people still face discrimination based on their sexual orientation. Oh, yeah. um, that, that was huge. And not only do they face discrimination, it's like 45% of our lesbian, bi um, and gay respondents to the survey said that people with the same sexual orientation as them, they believe they... Um, they are discriminated against in their workforce. Um, so, I mean, that was huge because I think, you know, we know that it's still an issue. We know it definitely is. Um, but actually seeing those numbers, it's like, oh, okay, this is still still a huge issue. And that was just focused on sexual orientation. Um, but obviously then the, the insights from the jam had a lot more stuff around the kind of trans community. And we know um, just in general about the kind of climate for, for the trans community um, in the US and in other countries um, can be incredibly, incredibly difficult. So, um, so yeah, so we've been definitely working with our communities, listening to them, whether that's through um, through the jam, through um, internally kind of only focused stuff, um, but really just listening to them and seeing, okay, how do we make change here and what do we want to focus on? So I think that whole idea of just listening just drives everything that I do in terms of making sure that I'm representing the community as best I can. And the only way that I can do that is by involving them in everything. So they probably get a bit annoyed at me because I message them all the time um, on Slack, asking their opinion on certain things, or what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? I'm planning on doing this. But for me, it's so important that they not only have their say and their, their voice is heard and elevated, um, but also that they're invested as well. And they're, and they're not, they, they, you know, they do get involved. Um, and we have some fantastic um, LGBT plus IBMers and volunteers and everything at IBM. Well, uh, I, I really like that you do do that communication because, you know, after all, you're the LGBTQ leader, right? Yeah. And if they ever get irritated with you, just remind them of that and that you're not the LGBTQ <laughs> dictator. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, getting that, getting that input uh, is, is awesome. And, um, you know, it's the, it's the, the right thing to do. You're doing that definitely uh, right. And, uh, but, you know, obviously spearheading, right. Being, being that leader spearheading with input and, and that's what great leaders do do. So, uh, so wonderful. So share a little bit about the uh, report that you've been uh, talking about. You know, what are yeah. maybe some of the really interesting, uh, I, I know it's a, a decent sized report. We probably can't talk about every aspect of it today. Um, and, and, and I will likely write at least one or two or however many articles to put my voice to summarize it, uh, since that's, again, one of my favorite things is to write about studies. Uh, and so what are some of the key highlights that maybe surprised you or, you know, disheartened you or, you know, something? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the statistics that, that, that I mentioned already around the kind of 45% of LGBT people still feeling like, you know, 
people of their sexual orientation are discriminated against in the workplace. That was pretty huge. And that was pretty significant because I think we feel like we mean in kind of society, I guess, kind of feels like we're making progress. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be very hard to be reminded that we're not or that we are making progress, but maybe not as quickly as we thought we were. Um, and seeing the realities of the fact that that discrimination still exists can be disheartening. But I think, um, you know, we still we still have hope and we still move forward and we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't if we didn't have hope. Right. Um, some well, of the one, other things. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one of the other stats that still holds true, it's now for two to three years in a row. Uh, where HRC, Human Rights Campaign Fund, and somebody else partnered and did a study and shows that at least here in the United States, only, I forget the number, if it's 46 or 48% of um, self-identified LGBTQ people are out at work. So then you couple that with the 45 or so percent of LGBT people who experience discrimination. Now, there's probably some overlap on that number, but if someone's not out at work and they're completely on the down low, no one knows. They're probably not getting discriminated against, right? It's probably most of those people who are are out at work and or are, um, maybe they haven't said it, but are assumed to be. Because that's one of the other studies that I've written about is even in the hiring practice, if you are assumed to be LGBTQ, you have a, you, the likelihood, like uh, I'm talking to the New York University on this topic to their students is like, if there's anything on your resume that indicates LGBT, like even if you were the IT director at the New York Community Center for five years, the likelihood that's 50% that that resume is going to get tossed. And then if you are hired for, for men, they gay men experience the same kind of gender inequality in pay that women do, which of course is ludicrous and shouldn't happen. But those are other studies that uh, come up. And so very interesting. Um, so didn't mean to cut you off there, but just wanted to kind of clar- right, clarify that that 45% might, you know, may or may not be, or that that's coupled with the 46 to 48% who aren't even out. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting, and you know we were very fortunate to work with um, Out and Equal on the report as well, and on and also Workplace Pride were heavily involved in the in the jam as well. So we had lots of partners as well, and it was fantastic to actually be able to work with all of them on actually crafting this report and pulling it all together. Um, some of the other stats that kind of leap out from for me was around or some of the kind of other areas. Um, yeah, so the fact that nine percent of um, our jam respondents, so people that took part in the jam, um, felt that they do not express their gender authentically at work. Um, and I found that pretty staggering because that's, you know, it's pretty much one in 10 people. It's a huge percentage of the population that are just not presenting their authentic gender and their authentic self at work. Um, so that was something that I think really surprised me, um, that it was so high. I was expecting that to come up and I was expecting that to be one of the findings, but not necessarily to that extent. So that was really interesting for me, for sure. Mm. Now, just out of curiosity, is that was that 9% of all spanning all LGBTQ or was that nine percent of those who identify self-identify as trans and non-binary so that was nine percent of all jam respondents um so jam respondents were majority lgbtq plus but um some were were allies to the community as well but so that's nine percent across everybody um Um, so it's even more staggeringly high i guess um yeah clarifying that that's definitely high (laughs) 
very yeah, interesting. Yeah. So that's one I, of the reasons why I love how how open and and um, you know a, a leader IBM has always been. You, you, you guys might not have that experience, but I've chatted with some companies. It's like, do, do more than the legal bare minimum, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, to- totally. And I totally agree. And one of the, just kind of piggybacking off what you were saying there, one of the questions or things that kind of sometimes gets raised when I'm doing kind of some education around like the trans community, for example, um, is, or just in the media, I guess, is people saying, oh, well, not non-binary is this new thing and it's this new fad and it's a trend and, and they say similar things about the trans community and stuff as well and um and it's not you know identities outside of the binary distinction of male and female have existed since literally the beginning of time in many different cultures around the world um but i think what we have now is a much more robust language to be able to talk about how we identify and to talk about how we feel and where we see ourselves and how how we interpret our own our own existence um and i think that's one of the significant changes which is why probably um we probably have more younger people coming out um as many different kind of identities under the whole lgbtq uh, plus umbrella because they there is more language available to them now to be able to talk about it you know we no longer just talk about being gay or gay pride or the gay community you know it is the whole spectrum and we are so conscious now as a society more so to make sure that everybody is included and i think because people have that language they're more able to 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 come out because they have something to come out as uh rather than to be in the closet but not even know that that, that is a closet that they're in um yeah, it's definitely huge. So I think that's definitely one of the things that shaped uh, the younger generation, for sure. From from my perspective, there's no point in a study without action and without doing something off the back of it. Absolutely. And that's why we were really keen to make sure that our LG Plus report had clear actions and takeaways for um for large corporations and for things that they can do um and they were things like making sure that um you're filling the pipeline with top lgbt plus talent making sure that you have the right policies and practices in, in place making sure you're setting expectations for employees um everywhere in your organization and the last one was around um using your brand power for good and your brand eminence for good and that's all around external advocacy you know we've seen a record number of anti-lgbt plus and specifically anti-transgender uh, bills being put forward and even passed in the u.s this year it's been oh, absolutely yeah. um large organizations have the power have something in that space um even if that change is small um there's definitely kind of space there um so yeah that's definitely one of our kind of key takeaways Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, is there anything that we maybe haven't covered? Regarding- yeah, I mean, I'd say for for the report, I think there's 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 a section um, at kind of the beginning that specifically talks about the transgender community. Um, I feel like we've come a long way in terms of LGBT plus rights, and we have come a long way in terms of the trans community in some places. Um, for the trans community, we still have such a long way to go. And I think people forget about that and large organizations can forget about that as well. So I think it's really important for us to make sure that we are being extra mindful of making sure that we have things like 
all gender restrooms um, at all of our facilities, making sure that we have, you know, trans inclusive benefits, making sure that we um, are using inclusive language, making sure that we're doing whatever we can to be promoting pronouns. And that's something that we've done a lot of at IBM. You know, IBMers can now add their pronouns to through our HR system and have that displayed in our employee directory. Um, we just launched an internal video the other week with loads of our senior leaders, um, including our CEO, talking in the video around the importance of pronouns. So everything that we can do in the space to really make sure that trans and non-binary people are included. And sometimes that is bigger structural changes um, is so important for us to do. So I think we've, we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go when both we're looking kind of around the entire globe, but also when we're looking around the entire LGBTQ plus um, spectrum as well. We operate in well over a hundred countries around the world. And, and some of those are countries where it is illegal to be LGBT plus. And we obviously have to comply with local law in those countries. However, one really important thing to mention is that we um, we have a global equal opportunity policy that includes sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, among many other things. That is a truly global policy. So we will always protect our IBMers um, from discrimination within the kind of confines of IBM. I'm kind of on top of that, um, you know, there's lots of work that we can do in those spaces around inclusion in general. So that's where we kind of lean our messaging towards being inclusive of others and respecting everyone with different backgrounds and different, uh, you know, life experiences and all that kind of stuff. So um, there, are, there are ways for us to negotiate and navigate some of those issues. Um, but yes, don't get me wrong, it is very difficult. And that's one of the things that makes my role so difficult is because we're not all operating at an equal you know playing field at all it's so varied around the world yeah. um so yeah that definitely is a challenge that you know all global organizations face uh well ella it's been such an absolute delight to chat with you today it's been lots of fun thank you so much for having me well absolutely and uh you are at any time you are absolutely you or anyone that you know at ibm that would like to be on the show to talk about different things uh open invitation just let me know and we'll get it scheduled okay Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for staying tuned to this episode. You have been listening to Ella Slade, the LGBTQ inclusion leader at IBM. So we appreciate you tuning in. And what, whatever application or website that you're listening or watching this to, be sure that you take a, just a few moments and hit that follow, subscribe, or so forth. If you're on YouTube, be sure to hit that notification bell. I'm Dennis Falco. And oh, by the way, be sure to check out outbureau.com. Complete at least 30% of your profile to unlock all the site features, including over 240 groups as of now. Uh, and it is in your language. So if you happen to be English and would like to learn Spanish or like to practice, guess what? You can switch the articles from English to Spanish or German, Italian, etc. Choose your language today. I appreciate you again for tuning in. Bye-bye.